everyone. Welcome to the Caleb and Brian show. We have a cool show for you today. In our first segment, we are joined by Brad Z and talk about our challenge of the week in a new segment called Adventures in Dadhood. After Brad jumps off, we're joined once again by Dr. Nate Gooch uh, for another rousing segment of Opinionated. If you have any comments or questions for us that we can read in the next episode, hit us up at calebandbryanshow.gmail.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Caleb and Brian Show tonight. Uh, on our first segment here today, we're joined once again by our good friend, Brad. Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Brian. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And also, of course, my fabulous co-host, Caleb Campbell. Caleb? Hello. How's everyone Hello. doing tonight? Pretty good. Pretty good. So uh, uh, maybe we should start just by really quickly kind of recapping how we did with our challenge of the week this last week. Okay. So if, if everyone remembers, what we had planned to do was to do about five to ten minutes of large muscle stretching before going to bed. So, Brad, I don't know if you did you hear about that when you did you listen to the podcast and hear about that plan? I did. I did hear about it, and I thought about doing it, and I even did it once, and then like you know every good intention, I just uh, didn't do that again. <laughs> good, that's perfect. So once seems to be about right for uh, our challenges so far. Kev, what's your story going on with I mean, this? I mean, maybe just a little bit more than Brad, but I knew I had to report. But yeah, I think I was only maybe a 50 percenter on this challenge. And I don't know why. It's just like bedtime. I don't know if I necessarily have a routine to append. So it was just like hop into bed. I think I went to bed pretty late um, this last week, too, which is a problem. Interesting. So it is possible that we set the goal a little too high, although it didn't sound like it was too high in my opinion. I, no, I, I don't think it was high at all. I think it, I was just, uh, I just didn't think about it, right? And hopped into bed. I do like what you said about routine. Uh, a lot of people have, I think, morning routines, but very few people, I think, have really solid bedtime routines, which I think they're important for adults as well as for kids. I don't know. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of a book called Atomic Habits? By a dude nope. named James Clear. No, sir. No, I haven't heard of that. It's a pretty good read. And one of the things that he talks about is that um, in order to make a habit kind of stick, a good uh, strategy is to try to append something that you're already doing, right? So, you, so just like you're saying, Brian, you have a morning routine. You wake up, you hit the shower. You hop out of the shower, brush your teeth, and then if you want to do something like, I don't know, drink more water, like right as soon as you're done rinsing your mouth out from brushing your teeth, that's the cue to like do another good habit, and you just try to build on it. And yeah, the that... title, Atomic Habits, means like small, like tiny, atomic scale or whatever. I see. And, and he argues that by just appending your routine in very small ways, then all of a sudden you can make some pretty exponential changes in your life over time, right? Kind of like uh, the compound interest is the analogy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. I feel like I've done that a bunch of times with different things in my life. Um, and it is a lot easier to kind of build that routine a very small step at a time, 
as opposed to just like, you know, trying to change your whole life all at once, which is basically I, I, impossible. I can't remember where I heard this, but it was also along uh, the lines of goal setting. It was it's basically trying to eliminate any roadblocks from that positive behavior that you're trying to do. So if you're trying to maybe exercise in the morning, this person has suggested going to bed in your exercise clothes so that you wake up and you're, you don't have to put on your exercise clothes you're just ready to, to do that. So this kind of sounds like the same thing, but, you know, getting uh, any derailers out of the way with whatever oh, yeah. positive change you're trying to make. So, so you're just, you're just basically eliminating as much resistance as possible for barriers to you doing it. Yeah, that sounds good. So like, yeah, if you're combining it with a good habit uh, that you already have, that you've, that you've cemented and then getting rid of all your barriers, you'll probably be able to add something good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Right, that's along exactly along the same lines that uh, James argues, right? Like, I just found the book while we were talking, and I flipped to kind of a summary page, and the four, he has four laws. The first law is make it obvious. The second is make it attractive. And the third law, which I think is what you're talking about, Brad, is it's make it easy, right? So you do whatever you can to make whatever you want to do as easy as possible, right? You don't want to drink soda anymore? Like, don't freaking buy soda. Don't put it in your house. You, you know, you don't want, or whatever. You want to go to the gym? Make sure your bag is packed or you go to sleep in your gym clothes. And then the fourth I, law is, like, make it satisfying. Just to wrap it all up real quick. Right, so I I can't remember. I think Maybe it was a Jordan Peterson lecture at one point, but he talking about willpower as a uh, um, finite resource. Um. Apparently, you, you use up your willpower doing things throughout the day, just like you'd use up any other amount of stamina, right? And so if you're using it up to do or not do certain things um, that are minute, like, for example, having a bunch of Halloween candy in your house that you're trying not to eat, right? Uh, you, you end up using up some of that resource that you could spend uh, on something that you actually want to do, like stretch before bed or work out or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, to bring it full circle, that might be it, right? Like, you make decisions throughout the day. I'm just speaking for myself. I make decisions throughout the day, and then I forget, or it's it's really easy to just, you know, brush it off and hop right into bed, because that's what I've been doing for a long time. Yeah, so the, the point of that lecture, and again, I can't remember exactly where I heard it, but was basically that people that are really good at, at forming habits and accomplishing goals aren't it's not that they are more disciplined necessarily or have a lot more willpower than other people it's that they just have less decisions to make so i mean and that's definitely probably part of the of the things so like you were saying like if you're trying to start like a new diet like you can't just have all the food that you normally eat in your old diet just laying around so that you can just stare at it all the time and think about not eating it <laughs> uh, yeah yeah you'll default into the old behavior almost immediately i would I mean, I think I think that's yeah. true. Right? Well, at very at the very least, you would be exhausted by not doing that thing. So, um, yeah, yeah. The other thing that Jordan says is like you can't like you can't tell yourself what to do. You know, like you can't tyrannize yourself. Sometimes you have to reason very carefully with yourself. I know that right. You you don't take uh you don't take. Uh, tyranny from yourself any better than you take it from somebody else yeah yeah and and it can be harmful right because if it taken to the extreme you no longer 
believe yourself or you begin to not believe yourself, right? Like, oh, that guy, he lied to me. Why would I believe what he had to say almost? So just circling back to our actual challenge, right? I did actually every night this week follow our rule. Um, and it, it actually made a lot of difference in my overall feeling about how I was in bed. Like, especially because I've been getting up most nights with my daughter at least once, you know, to, to take care of her and stuff. Um, and it actually has decreased the amount of discomfort that I've had because I've been working on a pretty good, I have like a, a tight hip right now. That's kind of the result of just a, a lot of uh, exercise and stuff. And it's kind of painful and it really tightens up when I sleep and actually doing this before going to bed has actually reduced it quite a bit. So, I mean, I can't speak highly enough of, of this very small habit to get into as kind of a way to wind down, you know? Um, yeah. It's really easy, if, if, especially if you like to read or you like to watch YouTube or whatever before you go to sleep. Like, you can do that while you do this. Like, it's it's not hard, right? Like, you just put, get your phone or whatever and then you just hold it while you stretch your calves and stretch your hamstrings and do some whatever. Yeah. Some touches or something. <laughs> yeah. So, did you have it um, established as a habit before the challenge, or is this just something that you wanted to do and pose it to the group? I've had I, I have it as a pretty good habit already. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I just probably for the past I'm gonna say two years I've been kind of on an, on a very long, slow paced like general physical improvement of myself. Um. You know, which has included things like going to physical therapy and weightlifting and learning a lot about nutrition and learning a lot about how your body works and, and just trying to get better in that regard. Sleep habits, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I forget exactly where, but in one in one instance when I was really trying to fix tight calves, which is I think is actually a pan, like it's another pandemic. I think that the whole world faces because uh, you get it just from sitting for a long yeah. time. And, and it actually, well, so I, I was having a lot of knee pain from squatting and there, there wasn't anything really wrong with my knees. And it turns out that it was because, you know, I've, I had mobility issues at my hips and at my ankles that actually were causing the knee pain. And it, a big part of that whole thing was just the tightness that I was having in my caps, which was solved by a really simple stretch that you could just do for, you know, three sets of 30 seconds. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's actually frustrating almost to be able to solve a, a chronic problem by a very small change. Like, <laughs> like, you know, cause it, what you feel, yeah, what you like, end up feeling is like, early exactly. It's like, whatever, right? I could have done this so much earlier. Right. Um, Brad, I don't know if you ever had a, a situation like that where you, you found out that you, you've been missing out on something for a long time. Um, to be honest, I, I can't think of one actually this, I've been listening to you guys and thinking a, a lot about, you know, the challenge and all that, but my mind has really been consumed with when Caleb was talking about uh, routines and he said brushing your teeth that sparked something that I recently learned about my wife is that she puts the water on the toothpaste or on the toothbrush and then puts the toothpaste on the toothbrush. And my whole life I've been putting uh, my toothpaste on the toothbrush and then the water on. Well, yeah, because so that's correct. That's the right way to do that. Well, like, I don't Except know. Except for I mean, the water, like, scoops the tooth, you know, knocks the toothpaste off every once in a while. Then you're yeah. just upset about it. Yeah, totally. So I, I didn't know, like, not to put my wife on blast here. And, I mean, I was just kind of daydreaming a little bit. Sorry. 
for you know not answering your question but i was oh. like have i been have i been putting my toothpaste on my toothbrush wrongly my whole life i didn't know but uh maybe my wife has been putting her toothpaste on her toothbrush the wrong way yeah we're gonna know. have to ask nate we need to consult the yeah expert on, i on bet you opinion. nate i bet you nate applies toothpaste to his teeth and then gets the brush <laughs> later like that's probably something he would do but I think there's actually a difference in mouthfeel if you do it that way, if we want to get technical about it. It's kind of the same thing as like people that pour dry cereal into milk as opposed to pouring cereal and then and then milk next. I don't know oh, if you've ever done that. I have uh, heard of that. I, I think that's incorrect as well. But. Well, or, it, you know, I think it, I think it most often comes up when you uh, are finished with your first bowl and there's too much milk left. So you're like, oh, I'm just going to top it off a little bit. And then you realize it's a lot drier and a lot crunchier. It might even be better to do to add the dry to the wet in that case. I actually uh, I actually like a lot of milk in my cereal because uh, when I was younger, I would never think to drink the milk out of the cereal when I was done. But now I like to drink the milk when I'm done with my cereal. And so I, I like a lot of milk, probably more than most. Good. That's a good tip. Extra milk for a nice... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice drink actually, at the end. Actually, I think that in Asia, I think I saw this on a YouTube video that they have uh, a milk that is basically like cereal milk. It's like over sugarized milk, and so, um, yeah, you might have to fact check me on that. But it's, it's probably like the, it's the like same thing. I believe you. It's probably Korean. That sounds like a Korean thing. It's probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, I wonder. Probably South Korean, probably not North Korean, but I'm sure there's a million things that we all like that that were intended to do. I remember so uh, back in the day, uh, the the president of my mission used to he's an engineer, and he used to just rail on people about squeezing toothpaste tubes like all the time, because he'd be like, "It's a tube. It was engineered to roll. Like you're supposed to roll it. That's how you most efficiently get toothpaste out of a toothpaste tube. You know, from the bottom going up, just." continuously roll it and we're just like what are you talking about you know I, i'm like one of those heathens that just kind of squeezes it wherever you know i think I'm a, i might be i might be a serial killer or something <laughs> well like, it's like what a hill to die on for your mission i know kids, man. Like, <laughs> oh not really a hill to die on but he would just he would just he, it was an example of you guys got to do things like things are intended to be done a certain way like you're, you. miss, you're missing that out was his example did yeah. he bring that up multiple times I don't remember. I think I, he must have because I, I definitely remember it pretty vividly. <laughs> but, I, you know, and, and he's a pretty efficient guy, right? So it was just like, I think you're, you know, you're leaving 20% of the toothpaste in the tube when you're throwing it away if you're not doing it correctly. Jeez, that's like but, 17 cents. I know, man. You could, you could fix your uh, car headlights with that if, <laughs> if you wanted to do that. But that's anyway. 17 cents a tooth, toothpaste? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> So uh, you know we need to so we need to find another challenge. You guys have any ideas of uh, small habits we could try to build for like a week and see what what kind of impact it has on us? Um, maybe here's something that I've wanted to do and I've been pretty bad at it, or at, at starting it. So maybe uh, talking about it publicly might help. But along the lines of drinking water, I think that um, like drinking a quart of water right when you wake up. It's like immediate hydration. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Like, uh, yeah, I think in order to be the most successful about it, you have to kind of 
pre-plan, right? So leave the, the water on your nightstand the night before. I've done it a few times and I think it does make a difference. So I want to make sure that that's true. Well, it's definitely true that you're dehydrated right when you wake up because you haven't typically drank for like eight hours, you know? Yeah, sure. But I just mean about like the, the mental awakeness and, and I don't know, like the feel good after you wake up, you know, get rid of that grog. Rinse that, those sediments out of your blood or something. Something. Yeah. Okay. I'm down. I'll do a, uh, drink uh, 32 ounces of water, you know, right when you get up. Okay. Yeah, and I'm going to um, try and do better stretching, too. Brad, do you have any cool habits that you do all the time that, like, you've just made, like, a thing uh, that you feel like are beneficial? Mm, I I don't know. I, I have a lot of bad habits that I probably do <laughs> that I should stop. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I definitely like stare at my phone right before I go to bed. I've I've heard that that's like really bad for you. That you should, you know, kind of wind down. Um, I had actually for a little while. I um, like weekly would would journal and just write down kind of the comings and goings of, of my life. Because um, I I I do enjoy writing um, and and storytelling. And, and so there was a time where like on Sundays in the morning, that was like my time to journal. And I would think back of, you know, what I, what I had experienced and, and instead of just like writing down what happened or didn't happen, uh, trying to delve deeper into the, how I felt about those experiences. Um, so I've, I've been, I've gone through ebbs and flows of, you know, weekly or monthly uh, journaling about how I feel about how my life's going. And, and I feel um, that, you know, for myself, it's really good to re go back and, and review them. But I, I think, you know, further down the line, years and years down the line, I'll, it'll be something that I'll uh, cherish a lot more, just how I viewed the world and be able to see how I changed or, um, and, or didn't change, you know. So that, that's something that I think is a good challenge for people, but it's probably like a little bit more like a long-term not a daily kind of thing uh i wish i was better at that uh, i found out recently that my wife has actually kept a fairly regular journal for like quite some time now like i don't even know maybe a couple of years um and she doesn't do like a very large entry or not like every day even i think but like she'll just like maybe at the end of the week or every couple of days just kind of write down a few for like most important thoughts or like things that happened and i was like holy crap that's awesome so I, I wish that I was a little bit better at that. And it kind of reminded me of, of your uh, of your brain dump thing that you do, Caleb. Yeah. What called what pages something? What is it? Yeah. Morning pages. Morning like, pages. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit different. Like that's just a straight up stream of consciousness just to try and take a snapshot and keep those straight thoughts from ricocheting around my brain, messing right. it up. Well, I, but I, I, yeah, I was going to say, sorry. I think that it, it uh, they're related on, on different ends of the spectrum. Because I think uh, important things that happen to you also tend to get kind of stuck in your brain for a while, unless you also process them in some way, you know, and, and writing them down actually is a really good way to do that. Yeah, for sure. There's some something almost magical about writing, right? Like it it uh it makes it makes it more real. That's what we kind of talked about. But I I do believe that that's true. Just uh, getting it out out there, and 
the cool thing about morning pages is like there's no pressure, right? Like I I think that's really cool what you said, Brad, about recording your thoughts and then going back and seeing how you changed. But like the the magic for me in the morning pages is that like everything goes, man. Like you just write it down. It doesn't matter spelling, punctuation, grammar. None of it. You just I just write for three pages. I think that's probably one of the bigger deterrents for me in in writing is that I like to kind of craft a a, a story and and uh, turns a phrase and wording and stuff like that and that can be a real hindrance to getting it down on the page to to begin with you know which is probably you know ninety percent of what you really want anyways is just to get what you what you're thinking and how you're feeling at the moment out. Yeah, that's why you have editors, right? That's why people like authors don't try to get everything right the second they're putting it down on the page but they get a nice rough draft and then somebody else comes in and helps them tweak it back to being more tight and clean yeah Uh, because i think it totally is a deterrent like if you're you're trying to type even if you're actually writing but then you're just like you know deleting a lot or erasing a lot or whatever like you get almost nowhere and that's not great so interesting we need to be all a little bit more brave about just saying writing things down because you i think also uh Speaking those things also can have that almost that same effect, but I think there's a lot of things that you that you feel comfortable writing that you would never say. Yeah, yeah, and it slows down. I'm I'm, I'm speaking for myself. It slows my mind down just enough, right? Because sometimes I feel like my my thoughts are going a million, and so by putting a pen to the paper, it slows it down just enough to kind of get the essence or the the most important thought out. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, something about that tactile pen and paper, I think, is also really important. Peter just doesn't do it for me. I I think also, I mean, just writing or vocalizing your thoughts or your just what's going on in your mind is way more powerful than just your your thinking. I I was listening to another podcast where they basically said that um, just thinking the thoughts is, you know, powerful. But when you say it, it's like, you know. Uh, an order of magnitude that much more powerful and impactful because it's real. It's like out there in the universe. It's not just in your mind. And so if you are thinking negative things about yourself, but then you actually say negative things about yourself, it's that much more detrimental to your psyche and, and what you're thinking and how you're feeling. Yeah, that's interesting, man. I, I definitely believe that words are magic almost, right? So if you said a lot of uh, self-affirming affir- affirmations about yourself, you probably would do yourself actual benefit. Yeah. If you believed it. I mean, I maybe, think... maybe, maybe I not. mean, maybe you <laughs> kind of fake it till you make it. I mean, just saying the words, you can, they can, the belief in them can actually come later, maybe. That's true. Yeah. I, I, well, it is kind of, well, I don't think you're even capable of having more than one thought at the, at the same time, right? Like, I mean, you can multitask back and forth between thoughts very, very rapidly. But for that one split second that you're saying the good thing about you, that's all that your being can think. So maybe that's there's something to that. Yeah, maybe speaking has the same effect as writing to a little bit lesser extent, right? Like it slows it down so that that thing that you're saying, that affirmation is occupying your thought for a little bit longer. Speaking seems to require almost always someone to hear what you're saying in order to have that same power. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but I mean, nobody goes to therapy alone, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> talk talk to yourself. Uh, those are the people that we tend to say need therapy, not the other way around. Right, right. Anyway, great. So we got our challenge of the week. We're going to drink a lot of water, right? First thing when we get up. Um, yep. That yeah. The like like the absolute first thing after you wake up. Yep. And we'll do that, and we'll keep uh, trying to think of better habits for us to create. Yeah. So uh, do you guys want to talk a little bit about um, dad stuff? Yeah, adventures in dadhood. Yeah, wow. Brad had a Brad had a great idea for a segment called Adventures in Dadhood, and wow. all of us are are the dads of kids, so we qualify, right? Yep. <laughs> so Brad, what's on what's on your mind? What, what's what's got you thinking about this? Well, well, um, I mean, like I was saying before we got on, just the more that I look at uh, for opportunities to kind of have memorable experiences that happen every day, uh, the more I see uh, things that are just kind of funny or, or worth sharing. Like today, my daughter, Ava, she's just over two years old, and she has started to kind of recognize when she's doing something she shouldn't and when she's not. Uh, behaving well like she gets really quiet and all of a sudden you can't find her in the house and we're like oh where is she what's she doing and we found her like on the couch behind pillows like she'll place pillows in front of her and you like remove the pillows and she's taken our our newborn son ben his pacifier and she's got it in her mouth sucking on it feverishly because you, we, we had just like broke her of pacifiers <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and, and now she sees these pacifiers in his crib and she's like oh man like she's just like a crack fiend that's just <laughs> found you know uh, some some drugs or whatever and so she'll just be sucking on that thing and uh, we're like hey that's the babies you know what are you doing and she's like no 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 um, don't take it, don't take it. or then she like tries but she she tries to like play it off that she's being helpful because she's like oh the pacifier is right there in the crib let me jam it in his mouth and so she'll grab the pacifier and like try and shove it in his mouth and he won't take it because she's obviously being you know too forceful with it and then she'll try and sneak it like she'll try hide it in her hand and and walk away sneakily <laughs> she's like i tried he oh, didn't man. want it i guess this yeah. is mine now you got your yeah. hands full right there, Brad. Oh, yep. man. It, it's scary yeah. when you start seeing your kids do, like, manipulative or, like, sneaky stuff. Oh, man. You know? You're just so, like... Another thing that happened today, just today, I found her inside her closet. She went and hid herself in the closet because the fridge was open and in, the in like, one of the lower drawers with cheese, and she loves cheese. But we also have some butter there. And she grabbed like a, a quarter stick of butter and retreated inside her closet and was just gnawing on the cube of butter. <laughs> like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Just like... <laughs> really? What are you doing? Oh, my gosh. Did You're you think insane. it was cheese? Yeah. She's like, my cheese, my cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I remember so many things like that from when my kids were little. Um, probably the most memorable one. Uh, Jack, my, my oldest son, was probably only, uh, he had, he's probably that same age, probably like two, maybe three, but probably two. And Tori had just baked a whole like loaf of zucchini bread. And, uh, we were upstairs doing something probably with his brother because his brother was a baby, just getting him ready for bed or something. 
and we came down and all that we saw on was the, on the floor was an empty loaf pan and like later we found jackson just like you know under the uh like there, we had like a, a kitchen that kind of sat above our living room just kind of overlooked it and he was down in the living room holding uh just chunks of zucchini bread and he was just like i ate the zucchini bread like you know, he couldn't even like say it in like like normal like words he like he ate as a two-year-old he ate an entire loaf of zucchini bread like that's impressive man just downed it and it, he's never he's never stopped he could still do it <laughs> he could still eat a, a pan of zucchini bread or zucchini like, how'd bread you, how'd you even do that man and he's just like I, I just did it it's fine what what do you think your kids does he remember that was he old enough to remember that experience i don't know if, if he i don't think he remembers that but i'm pretty sure that we have like video and or photographic evidence so that's actually pretty fun sometimes to go through old videos of uh our kids doing funny or cute things and like watch what how they react and watch their their siblings react to them as well um you know there's a pretty good meme in our family right now of jackson again about that same age uh it like it's like him and his brother are outside in it's like the in the snow for basically the first time they're in our backyard and you know jackson's super cute and he was really really talkative when he was a kid and he just he went around and he's like you can see him he's like look at me mommy and she's like what do you what do you find and he picks up like you know like a chunk of snow and he's like a snow rock you know snow rock. He's, and he's just like and she's like what are you gonna do with it and he's like i'm gonna throw it <laughs> like he's just like immediately but so now we always call snow snow rocks and he he gets really embarrassed which is fun so it's a family memes they don't mean anything to anyone else but they, they you'll always have them so is like family meme like the new um the new lingo for inside joke i don't know maybe maybe i haven't heard that term but i like it yeah it is now yeah i i mean i didn't really ever think about it in terms of like that until just basically right now but you know, that's what you would say if it wasn't in your family and, and there was just some saying or, or some idea that's going around and everybody thinks about and talks about, right? Keeps yeah, right. Like, yeah, if you talk to me about snow rocks, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Right. But it's a meme in the family. Yeah. But, um, We did have a thinking... good... Uh, we, oh, go ahead, Caleb. Oh, no, I was just going to tell another Kids Do the Dumbest Thing story, but... Yeah, do it. You do it. All right, this one's about Jack again, and this one happened like pretty recently, maybe within two years ago. He just got braces on his teeth, and um, we were over at Grandma and Grandpa's. We might have been living there, I can't remember, or his family dinner. Anyway, they found a bungee cord, and he straps this cord to a pomegranate on a pomegranate tree. And yeah, brain is going like, man, I don't know. This pomegranate can hold all of the potential energy of this stretched out bungee cord. So he hooks it on there and stretches it out until the pomegranate gives and this bungee cord comes and smacks him right in the mouth. He springs a wire on his braces and like chips a quarter of his front tooth right off. And uh, the pictures are pretty hilarious because the, the wire is sprung. <laughs> the tensioning wire. Oh man, the poor kid. Yeah. Somehow, somehow, my sister-in-law found the chunk of tooth, like in the grass. Like I don't know how she found it, but we found it, and we took it, took him to the dentist, and he was able to make it look 
okay, but he did warn us that it might he might need some, you know, cosmetic work for like a crown or something. Right. Yep. Yep. Veneer. You get a diamond. Get a grill. Right. Yeah, get a grill. <laughs> Jack. Yeah, he, he learned a, a very important lesson about how potential energy can turn into kinetic energy. And maybe Seriously. the uh the strength of a pomegranate vine. Anyway. That makes me want to die a little bit. Yeah, it was rough. Well, I actually learned that lesson pretty closely myself, like not that long ago. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm in my 30s, but I have like a set of those uh, exercise bands. You guys ever seen those that you can like attach multiple to like two handles to like increase resistance and stuff? Yeah. And I was in my garage and I have these hooks that are screwed into my garage, right? And so I was like, oh, this is great. Like, because I, I needed to get some extra height. Uh, and I, so I strung up the, the anchor onto the hook and put, you know, 150 pounds of resistance bands through this thing. And then I was using it and in the middle of using it, the anchor split in half and like, Wait, like it came out from your beam or whatever. So, so I didn't realize I didn't pay close enough attention to how the anchor works. So what, what you usually do with it, right. Is. So it's like a very thick nylon loop. And okay. then it, it's slung through like a, like kind of like a counterweight on the back. So what you usually do is you put it on like one side of a door, right? And then close the door so that it, it, can't, it can't come out just from the, the size, right? Okay. Um, and so I was using that thing to, to hook the cables, but um, I didn't... Not on the door, so it wasn't but, constrained. Well, it wasn't that it, it didn't didn't work it was just that i had looped the nylon over the hook instead of looping the anchor through the hook okay like the center of the anchor and so what ended up happening was the force actually found the seam of the nylon and was working so it actually split the nylon part of the anchor in half which it wouldn't normally do that because uh usually that's not the side where the where the force is being applied to kind of hard to explain on a podcast but the, the end result is uh, I got hit in the face and in the chest with like 150 pounds of, of weight, like fully stretched out. Band. And when it first happened, uh, I thought I had pulled the hook out of the ceiling and uh -huh. I thought like I was dead. Like I thought I had impaled myself in the chest with a hook. <laughs> like, cause that's how bad it that's, hurt. Like, yeah, it hit me God. so like, so it hit me in the face and the chest and like, it was everything was like numb. I was like numb from the nose to the middle of my sternum. <laughs> and so I was, oh. and I was just like, "How long were you numb?" Like a long time. Like I don't know. Like did like uh, knock, you, knock the wind out of you? No, no. I just I literally just was like uh, I I was like in shock because I thought I am I I literally thought am I dead? Like I thought I was gonna like look down and see like a like a large hook protruding from my chest. <laughs> Holy! <laughs> and so then, like, uh, I had I essentially ended up with like you know two fat lips, uh, and then a welt that went down my chin and like basically down my chest, like down my neck and down my chest, uh, like in a vertical line. <laughs> Yikes! And I was just like so scared of of those things. Like I still use them all the time, actually. But now I'm like, oh, I know how they work now. 
But... <laughs> <laughs> you stretch them. <laughs> they store energy. But yeah, like I just, I, I had looped it in the wrong space. I'll never do that again. And uh, never too old to learn a new trick, you know, but holy cow. <laughs> Probably the worst, one of the worst ways I've ever hurt myself exercising. <laughs> other, uh, you know, there's been a few other times too, but not <laughs> Not too, not as bad as that, probably. That's the worst to hurt yourself exercising because you're like, I'm trying to be healthy, and now I'm like way worse than how I started. Well, the the other time that was bad was I was lifting, uh, I was changing some plates out, and somebody else, I was I was at a shared gym, somebody had put a like a five pound plate on a forty five like right next to it, and so and they were both like black, and so it was really hard to see. And so I unracked the 45 and the five pound fell off and fell on my foot and it hit oh, direct, man. it hit directly on, you know, from probably about four feet up, it hit directly onto like the, the nail of my big toe. And like <laughs> that, that hurt so bad that I, I like, I think I couldn't see for like a little while. And, uh, I was, it was one of those times when you're like, I think my toe's broken, but I'm afraid to like take my shoe off and look at it. And also to, uh, you know, to release some of the pressure, because uh, I thought maybe if I took my shoe off, I wouldn't be able to get it back on and I had to drive myself home. So, <laughs> so, so you waited till home to inspect the carnage? Yeah. Yep. And then when I took it off, I basically had a semi-flattened purple toe. And it, yeah, did the tip of it just explode? or? Push? It, didn't ex- it didn't explode, but it, it was very, very, very bruised. And yeah. Uh, I used it for months to like scare my children into submission. Like, <laughs> like if you don't do this, you're gonna get a toe exactly like this. This is what happens to little boys who don't listen. You know, man, <laughs> you get the get the mashed toe, huh? Oh man, that hurts so bad. I think my worst my worst gym injury there. I was doing like box jumps, and we, my friend and I were, you know, going higher and higher progressively. And uh, it was getting pretty close to my limit, and I was jumping up, and, and this particular area where we were doing it was in the very center of the gym, and I jumped, and I got like one foot up, and then my other uh, leg was did not get anywhere close. In fact, I just nailed my shin right oh. on on like the platform, because it was like a platform that you would hook and unhook and raise and stuff like that. So like one foot is on, I bang my shin. I totally fall backwards like Mufasa and the Lion King <laughs> to the ground oh. and uh, like laying flat on my back in the middle of the gym for everyone to see. And I'm just like bruised and bleeding from my shin. And I was just like, oh, I'll never do that again. I'll stick to my eight inch vertical leap, you know? <laughs> Seriously. Right. <laughs> the, the, I actually, uh, I forget what I was watching, but I ended up watching with my boys like a compilation of like CrossFit fails, basically, uh, which they thought were hilarious. And I, I saw somebody do that exact same thing, Brad, in that video where they just essentially scraped their entire shins off of a box jump. It was just I, carnage. I, it looks so painful. I could watch Vine compilations on YouTube for hours and hours. I just love watching that. Whether it could be like hurting themselves. It could be painful things. It could be like little kids. It could be pets, like uh, whatever I'm in the mood for. But I just love like there's seven seconds and something happens and, you know, you get immediate gratification. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great uh, whatever the opposite of a dopamine detox is. 
dopamine right. over, overdose. <laughs> it's like the dopamine slot machine. Yeah, just like, oh boy, here we go. And then there a thousand cats doing cute things, probably. So, yeah, it's man. Nice. Uh, kids are awesome. Gym injuries are fun to talk about. They're not fun to have, but they're fun to talk about. <laughs> One of these days, we should talk about the stupidest things we've ever done. I've got a long list of those I'd like to get oh, off. I mean, off same. Same. So. <laughs> Some more recently than others. I feel like I've lost a lot of my better judgment during this uh, sequestering at home. So <laughs> there's a teaser. That's a Nate Gooch level teaser for you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but anyway, Brad, thanks for joining us uh, on our segment today. We'll look forward to seeing more adventures in dadhood and seeing what we can remember. And it's been awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Yep. Have a good night, everybody. And now joining us for Opinionated is Dr. Nathan Gooch. Nate, Hi, Dr. Hello. Nathan Gooch. It's going great. Thanks for having me. Oh, I can't wait to hear what kind of nonsense you're going to spit out at us today. <laughs> well, I promised a heroes and villains, so I'm, g- I'm going to give the people what they want. Heroes the and villains. All right. <laughs> Uh, so I guess this one is the opinion is that the villains are the true heroes in most uh, contemporary American films, and they're by far the most interesting characters in uh, in all the shows. Okay, so give us give us some <laughs> examples. Do you have any examples? Uh, yeah, like recent, uh, semi recent, I guess. Uh, Thanos, most interesting character of all the Avengers. Uh, also, I think that as um, I don't know if it's an American thing or, or, or a world thing, but we kind of go for the underdogs. Uh, if you're ever watching a, um, a college football game and someone's ranked number two and they're playing somebody that's ranked number 25 and it's a close match, everybody's rooting for uh, the ranked 25 team because they're the underdogs, right? So in, in this scenario... In this scenario, the Avengers are invincible. There's I was no going to say, in this scenario, the underdog is the person with a gauntlet that can eliminate half of life. Yes, yeah. In <laughs> virtually every single, just because you know the, it's a movie, right? It's it's a Marvel movie about the Avengers, and the Avengers aren't going to lose. And even Tony Stark, he still wins, even though he dies. He dies of his own accord. He doesn't get killed by Thanos, right? And uh, spoiler, spoiler alert for the Avengers Endgame. <laughs> uh, that's a it's good like, point. It's like there's, four years old. I'm just kidding, but still. There's no expiration date on spoilers. That's another opinionated that I just broke. Um, yeah, but that's like that's one ex- example. Uh, another recent movie was Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. Um, the the heroes Can can't lose. Something else. What? Well, can we talk about something else, like a different example than Star Wars? <laughs> Have you not seen that, or just no? Like... No, I've seen it. I've seen it. There's just uh, that so was much more ju- to be said about Star Wars. Joke about how terrible Star Wars is. <laughs> Kylo Ren is the true hero of that. Uh, just the point is that um, that you know that the good guys are going to win and the bad guys are going to lose before you even see the movie. Like, what's the point of seeing the movie? It's the bad guys are going to lose. Um, but recently, there have been a couple of uh, movies and TV shows that 
give you some hope and you think, well, okay, there, maybe I can get invested in the show because the heroes aren't going to definitely win every single fight. If you remember the original Avengers where Loki is the bad guy, Oh, but don't even get me started. Uh, Loki loses every single engagement in that entire film. Just loss after loss after loss after loss. He cannot catch a break. And uh, boy, I just wish that guy could win. Um, kill all the Avengers. Uh, but recently, um, let's see, TV shows like The Walking Dead. Um, I actually didn't really watch very much of that. But from what I understand, a lot of the main characters die. So you were rooting, you were rooting for the dead people in that show. Well, it just makes for a more compelling show because the heroes uh, are able to lose. So like, <laughs> so like Game of Thrones. Especially and, yeah, that, that was my other example. Exactly, was Game of Thrones, where um, that one's interesting because there aren't really traditional protagonists and antagonists except for Ned Stark, right? And so um, it keeps it really fresh and interesting because somebody that you're rooting for in one circumstance, suddenly you're rooting against them. And then somebody that you were like, it just people are dying all over the place. I've never seen that one either, but these are the things that I understand from what people have told me. Yeah, Game of Thrones is pretty compelling because exactly what you're saying, Ned Stark is set up as the the good, right? And the good triumphs over evil. That's the the story that we as humans like to see and watch. And so, yeah, when when Ned Stark doesn't triumph, then it's really, really surprising, and you're left like wondering because we're so conditioned to root for the the clear hero, right? So, so you're left wondering, like, well, who do I root for now? So, so your opinion is that the hero, the villains are the actual heroes, right? The villains are the underdogs, which makes them, in my opinion, the hero. <laughs> Okay, so the, the villain. So, and you're you're doing this because from a meta perspective, if you're going to see a movie, it's already predetermined that the the heroes are going to win, right? Yeah, for so. most contemporary American films, the villain is going to lose, the heroes are going to win. Uh, you you know that before you see the movie. But I was saying, except for a few uh, recent ones like The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, and uh, some movies, the Cloverfield movies, I actually really like for that reason. So. Uh, so Nate, have either you or Caleb ever watched uh, the anime One Punch Man? I have. Yes. Caleb, have you watched the second season or just the first season? Just the first season for me. So Nate, I and because of this opinion, I would highly recommend that you watch the second season or read the manga. But I may uh, have watched the second season. I don't think I have though. But uh, I mean, it should all be fully out now on Hulu. But the the reason being that essentially the main antagonist of the second season uh, is a guy named Garrow. And his whole deal is that when he was growing up and he's like a trained martial artist, like when he was growing up and he would watch like hero shows, he always wanted the monsters to win and they never beat the heroes. And it pissed him off so much that he wanted to become a monster so he could win as a monster. Yeah. And, but he probably loses at the end. Well, I mean, but does he though? I don't know. I He's, it. It's it's not like that. It's not like so black and white, right? Like it, that's why I think it's such a good show, is because he 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 has this perspective. It's the same as you, right? It was like, why don't the monsters ever win? I'm rooting for the monsters. They're the underdogs. Yeah, totally. I mean, that guy are the same guy. You yeah. know who the true hero of One Punch Man is? It's the 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 bicycle rider guy, Moomin Rider. Moomin Rider, yeah. Because he's he's, he's the real hero. 
Yeah, because he has no ability at all and still goes and fights demonous monsters. Yeah. And he, loses to them. He sucks. <laughs> and he but he fights Listen. and loses. And Listen, it makes you, you really like him. Don't you dare besmirch the name of a person whose most powerful ability is stand up while bicycling. Stand up <laughs> while bicycling. <laughs> he crashes a bike into a bad guy once, and I think, and he just like gets it doesn't, in the bad it doesn't do up. anything. Yeah, it's so great. That's a great show. It's a great it's, show for learning about life. Yeah, so <laughs> we need more heroes like that guy who like he's he's got all the right intentions and a heart of gold, but. Uh, he's just a guy going up against evil, and he, he's got skin in the game, and he might probably lose. Well, he certainly he certainly doesn't win because he's the hero, right? Or because he's trying to do something good. And the the other reason that show is interesting is because uh, from the opposite perspective, you have a main character whose whole thing is that he defeats everybody that he fights in one punch, no matter if they're like God or a giant <laughs> monster from some abyss, right? Or and, the moon. Or the moon, and he gets. And the thing is that because he keeps defeating things so easily, he's like incredibly bored and essentially suicidal, right? Like he life has lost all meaning because there's no struggle anymore. Yeah, that makes him into a, a much more interesting character for sure. Yeah, and, and so like there's all kinds of expectations being uh, turned on their heads with there, but especially in this scenario, the guy who. <laughs> identified with the monsters and thought it was unfair that they die all the time so he wants to become a monster and does a pretty <laughs> pretty good job of doing it too yeah um, how many how many movies have you seen action movies where the heroes uh, go into some sort of a situation and they get caught by the bad guys the bad guys are like haha i've got you at gunpoint put down your a, weapons that's like a trope right yeah, they hold them at the gunpoint. I'm going to exercise restraint, and I'm going to hold you hostage because I'm the bad guy. But then the moment the heroes have any sliver of advantage, boom, shoot those guys, no questions asked. Shoot them all. You want to know what the what the worst example of this is? Like, have you guys seen Taken? Like the, yeah. Least, uh, yeah. Like the first one? There's <laughs> yeah. that part of Taken where he goes into the place where they're auctioning off all the girls or whatever. <laughs> and they capture him and they knock him out and then they chain his hands and they put him hanging from a pipe. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're just like, okay, so now you're, you're captured hanging from a pipe. And then like somehow he doesn't die in that situation. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you doing? Bad guys? Yeah. Just shoot him. Get in the game. Like two bullets in the head. Every the James head. Bond movie yep. ever. Okay, so, okay. Well, all right, Brian. So, what do you think then? Are you disagreeing with Nate's opinionated here? I so I'm not disagreeing. Well, yes, I'm disagreeing with Nate's opinion here because I'm not 100% certain exactly what he's getting at. I don't. I do not agree that the villains are the, the are the underdog. In, are the compelling? Well, so, so here's the thing. I so Nate, I think, is arguing, and Nate, feel free to correct me here. Yeah, well, maybe let's let Nate give uh, try to clarify his opinion. Well, so here's how I heard it, which was from a meta perspective. Nate's like, I go to the movies. I know if I go to the movies, then good guy's going to win. Um, so it's not enjoyable. But like, if you were just going to actually take it from what the film is giving you, the good guys are not the are definitely the underdogs in almost every story in that case. 
you know, Thanos is, is much more intimidating than any one of the Avengers. I mean, especially even in the beginning of what is it? The, is it uh, Infinity War? Like the Hulk, who's just been this unstoppable force for right. the whole time comes and Thanos just like shadow boxes in the death, basically. <laughs> right, like without his, without does anything. Does he have his armor? Yeah, no armor or weapon, right? He's just like, hi, it's Hulk. Like, yeah, he's like, two of us can do play this game. You know, you're, you're like, oh, dang, you know? <laughs> But like I get, I get what you're saying. the The fact that you know that these type of movies have to end a certain way tends to steal uh, the narrative thunder uh, from what they're, you know, like the there's no actual stakes because it's really more like a discover how they end up winning, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you can you can get really pissed off if they end up winning in a stupid way, like I don't know, if someone has time travel that works for some reason because reasons yeah that's i mean don't get me so many annoying things about that but yeah it's like oh i'm just gonna invent time travel overnight because i've never thought about it before let me think about it for two hours oh i've figured out time travel (laughs) it must be really easy to invent time travel (laughs) or or whatever it's like and and that's because the scale is so bad like did you guys ever watch macgyver the show yeah i watched every episode Oh, like, like, <laughs> great. Because MacGyver, he's always pulling stuff out of his butt at the end of the show, right? But like, it's always like, I'm gonna combine this rock and I'm gonna mix it with this chemical, and it turns out this rock is like sulfuric rock, and it it, <laughs> it multiplies and becomes a, a flame retardant foam that will put out this fire in this electrical way. And you're like, that's amazing. He uses knowledge of science and engineering to solve a problem. Like, <laughs> but it, it's it, it it's always pretty satisfying to watch him do it, even though you know he's gonna do it, you know. Yeah, that's uh, TV shows from a different time. Matlock is the same, you know, all those <laughs> Matlock daytime TV. This is another segment I'd like to have some point where we discuss how Matlock is is courtroom MacGyver. I'd like to talk, <laughs> talk about that. He always <laughs> comes up with some last uh, last moment of defense that makes him win. Totally. Um, but yeah, what about you, Caleb? Do you agree with with Nate's opinion? Well, so I I guess Nate, clarify your opinion. Was that it? Like the meta, like you know how the story's going to end? Yeah, I guess it's just uh, so. Yeah, maybe the whole um, movie going ex- or like media consuming experience for me is I always am rooting for the for the bad guy because they're the true underdog and I just want them to win. Can't they ever win just once? You're you're rooting for the the bad guy for good reasons. <laughs> yeah. It's not real life. If it was real life and there was like a actual bad guy, then of course I'm not going to root for him. But in, in the media, I'm like, Oh man, I just, I just really want this villain to win. Can he just win once? Cause I mean, there's definitely shows that fill that, that archetype for you, right? Like the anti-hero show. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like, I think that I'm drawn to more of the anti-hero type show anyway, right? Like breaking bad is some of my favorite TV and he's definitely not a good guy. He's, he, he's, you know, he's evil for sure. She's like yeah. a murderer, drug dealer, like, you know, chemist, making meth, dealing drugs, murdering people, exerting being, his authority. Yeah, being pathetic. I once oh. thought, hey, I'll give that TV series a chance. And I turned it on and uh, it was them melting a body in acid yeah. in a bathtub. Third, third episode, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. 
<laughs> I never watched it again. Man, you uh, just need to push through, I guess, because like that's too bad. That's the, that's the story that you need right now. Like I was just gonna say, you need a little bit more nuance in your life instead of the MacGyvers and the Avengers, right? Because absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, that's what's gonna happen. You know, Please, Thanos is uh, gonna get defeated, right? I was lucky enough to watch Breaking Bad uh, when it was still new and live on TV or whatever. On FX. Or or AMC, I think it was on. Yeah, you're right. And uh, so I I have never in my life been more uh, thrilled and terrified and emotionally affected by television than watching that show. Ever. Yeah. People Um, love it. Yeah, it's definitely in my top three favorite tv show i I mean if you can pick a favorite i might have to pick that one like in terms of in turn like and i i am i feel like i'm one of those people that doesn't necessarily get like so emotionally just like oh my gosh but like when i watched that show like there was some times when i felt like i was going to have a heart attack and die from like the amount of stress that (laughs) i was feeling while i watched that those shows (laughs) Uh, and, and in fact, I tried to get my wife to watch it with me and we like to rewatch it. And we got till about just the second or third episode again. And she was just like, nope, can't do it. Too stressed out. And I was huh. like, okay. I, I And like, I, in fact, I actually rewatched probably the two or three seasons not that long ago. Just, I think I had a lot of flights and it, it's a really good way to pass a flight. Um, watching but, Breaking Bad. Yeah. And if the gore of that, of that, acid melting was too much of a turnoff i do believe that is the most gory part of that whole show i've heard people say that before that it's like oh you've just walked in on the literally worst part of the whole thing yeah i guess i mean just to keep going yeah i think that you need to branch out and become a little more nuanced in your tv watching or something uh because because yeah like i am definitely drawn towards the anti-hero show and However, I think that both the hero archetype and the anti-hero archetype are there to show us the proper modes of being, right? Of what to do and what not to do. Of standing up to the insurmountable power. Like, I agree with Brian. Like, the Avengers are the underdog in fighting Thanos. But but, but they they stand up against it anyway, right? What are you going to say, Brian? I was going to say that I think... think what Nate might be feeling with a lot of these movies. And I think what I, I know what I definitely feel um, is that while they are still paying almost like a lip service to like the archetypal hero's journey, that is so interesting and ingrained in all people, they're not doing a very good job of, of portraying that story in a believable way. And so if you, if you take out the believability of a story, uh, it really takes away all of the catharsis that you get from experiencing the good guys beating the bad guys. it just seems seems like whatever okay you know ant-man is is big now so we win (laughs) Uh, yeah i mean maybe right because then because then i think about like disney's beauty and the beast right where there's no way that that's believable that some dude is a beast but that's something that might not be like the hero's journey but it's all it's still an archetypal story of where femininity has to like tame the masculine wild 
or whatever together they need each other i don't, I, don't, I mean i don't know what the story so is, i guess but... what i what i mean is i and i'm not necessarily meaning like it's believable from like a, a logic perspective i mean more from a uh like even just internally consistent with itself but it just has to feel whatever happens as part of the plot has to feel earned yeah by, by either side that does it right and so that's i think that's what's la like i mean you did mention star wars which if we talk about star wars uh i'll have to talk about it for two hours and <laughs> and someone's gonna have to like come and just like put a cap so, in the back of my head by the end of it so that, so, <laughs> but like i mean that's why those movies weren't good right the, these newest ones that's why that last one was a complete cluster because it was just like they were just saying random things happened and because they did mm -hmm. and there wasn't even like there was nothing was earned at all nothing was uh nothing made any sense yeah were, the pacing was all off the pacing yeah. was crazy like the characters didn't get any time to grow as people they right. were just going from like one weird you know flashy good looking set piece to another right like i mean you can't take that away from those movies they looked incredible right. they did but like they did. but like if you'd rather watch john wayne in 1945 be a believable character who overcomes the bad guy than you would uh you know whatever ray have all the jedi inside of her somehow because they have to and then say something like you know if i kill palpatine i'll become a sith and then her answer to that was to kill palpatine so thanks for <laughs> thanks for and being completely illogical i think you hit exactly not one of the things sith. One one of the things that I don't like about both of those movies, I think you hit right on, which was that there's just so many main characters that none of them have enough time for you to give them an appropriate journey, and you also need to have time for the bad guy to really make his case for why he's the bad guy, and and they don't do that either. And that that's really hard. Like, so I've spent a lot of time trying to write a book and think about a story. And I got hung up for a long, long time, not because I, I couldn't think of like good motivations and character development for heroes, but because coming up with a believable villain just seemed outside of my ability. Like coming up with a motivation for a villain that, that didn't seem just like trite or cliche or nonsense was almost impossible. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, and, and you have to realize, I mean, some villains, right, are like the, that archetypal Joker guy, right? Who just, well, they want to see the world burn or whatever, which is kind of a compelling uh instance but i'd much rather read a story where if if you had somehow switched the perspective of between from the hero to the villain halfway through the story that you you could find yourself rooting for that villain the same like where his their their ideals might be just as compelling from a different point of view right yeah, that's what's so good about Game of Thrones, uh, from what I understand. All the characters are nuanced and have good and evil in all of them and depending on who you're following at the time you might be rooting for different characters at different times and yeah definitely maybe maybe that's the trick right because like superman he's not compelling because he's perfect at everything right in fact what's that last one the justice league is that what it was called where the like movie. the last yeah m movie yeah. i can't remember who the bad guy was but essentially it was unsurmountable odds but superman was sleeping or knocked out or or whatever and it, and as soon as they figured out how to wake him up it was just like yep superman's here he wins yep. and and so maybe like in order to have a compelling character you need a little bit of that good and evil like you said nate right 
you need a flaw to balance out or, or or maybe to your point brian to make it a little bit more believable right well either yeah that or you need to actually show where the actual struggle is i think it just you just have to have an actual struggle like maybe superman can beat all of any villains without any any struggle at all right but like it'd be a much more interesting movie if you had to just watch how superman had to deal with the fact that he's going to outlive all of his loved ones and friends and be alone right to bring it back to one punch man right he he punches everything in one hit but he's like oh man my life sucks because there's no challenge right and that's what makes Saitama, is that his name? Saitama, yeah. Saitama. That's what makes him interesting, right? Is that he he lives in this teeny little apartment and gets angry at at flies, right? Because right. that's exciting. And he and goes and grocery shopping, and he gets really mad that he missed the sale. That's right like, on yeah, Saturday because he's, he's poor, and he, it's never it's never one time occurred to him to like use his ultimate strength to like become wealthy. Right. In fact, he starts doing hero work because he thinks he can make a few dollars or whatever, but he's doing it like completely by the book. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. That show's incredible. I we should do like a whatever that the version of that is for a book club, but for just that show, and then we just watch one episode <laughs> and talk about it. Oh, that sounds great. I'd yeah. give that a listen. Nate, we we just had Kyle on the podcast, and uh, we're we're starting a book club. So if you want to be part of the book club and read a chapter with us every week let us know yeah that sounds great brave new Man. world all right you, i that's think what you're doing because i've already read the first chapter so yeah brave new world that's it i'm already uh, i'm already ahead of you guys good grief but before we close the show i know how it's gonna end yeah <laughs> uh, before before we close i want to hear uh what your favorite uh maybe one or two movies are and why and then i'll do mine just to close out this villain hero thing. Okay. Uh, do you do you already know what yours are? Because I need a minute to think. Yeah. Okay. So my number one favorite movie is Interstellar uh, in IMAX 3D, just because it's such like a visual masterpiece and and auditory. It's just a full experience. I love it. Um, but then right behind that would be the Cloverfield movies, which I mentioned earlier, but we haven't talked about yet. But um, they all kind of have spoilers at the end, so I won't get too much into them. But there, if you remember, there's the Cloverfield, which was the monster. Like there's a Godzilla. Do you remember that? Um, yeah, I haven't seen any of these movies, so I need to put them on my list. I've seen Interstellar, but none of the Cloverfield movies. You got to check it out. Uh, so it's it's about like a few people, and they are doing like a Blair Witch Project style um like they're holding the camera so you're seeing the movie through the perspective of them holding the camera as they try to escape the godzilla that's attacking their town Uh and uh and that one's really good and then there's 10 cloverfield lane um which is have you seen that one me no i haven't seen any of the anything with cloverfield yeah me either i forget the name of the main character in that um it's the guy that's the friend of the dude Oh, in you know who who the dude is? John right? John Goodman in the Big Lebowski. Yeah, John Goodman or uh, John John Goodman. This? So yeah. John Goodman's the the main um, antagonist in that movie, and he does a really good job of being super creepy. Um, and then uh, Cloverfield Paradox is the last one, and that one's more of a just a kind of a wild space film. 
and uh, you don't kind of really notice until um, it, at least when I watched Ten Cloverfield Lane, it didn't it didn't uh, click in my brain that um, it could be in the same universe. Turns out that it's like a they're all kind of in the same universe, which is cool. But um, the antagonists are really good in all of those movies, and it, it just makes it way more compelling. Um, great story to watch, and you you are actually rooting for the heroes in those movies. Um, and I won't spoil what happens. Cool. Okay, I'll I'll watch some Cloverfield. Can I watch right. them on Netflix? I don't know. Let's, let's hear you guys. What about you, Caleb? Um. Okay. So what immediately sprung to mind was The Matrix. That probably has to be my favorite movie. I think I made you watch The Matrix, right, Brian? You didn't you make me watch it, it, but I I did watch it with you because I wanted to. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I made you, but no, I'm just kidding. I, no, I never, I, no, I'd, I'd never seen it not for for no other reason than I just it had I had never seen it. Yeah, when that movie came out. It was my number one favorite movie. Really? Yeah. And it's it's been uh, overthrown by the Cloverfield projects. Yeah, and Interstellar. And Interstellar, interesting. Yeah, I like it just because I think it it might be like the stereotypical hero's journey, right? He's thrust into a world that he doesn't understand or nor one that he chose, but he's got to take the weight of the world on him. As the underdog, right? How do you fight a perfect AI killer machine bot in Agent Smith? Yeah, that's another good... You're right. That's a good example of um, some antagonists that actually are like real. You like think hey, maybe these guys could win. In fact, until Neo, nobody had ever won a fight with one of them ever. And it shows yeah. it shows them fight the protagonists a few times and they just destroy the protagonists. Yep, yeah, interesting. Interesting. But then, like, and, and then people are believing in him even when he doesn't believe in himself or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that was The Matrix. They're making a new sequel. Did you know that? Um, yeah, the the other two in the trilogy, like they're they're pretty all right. They're just not nearly as mind blowing as the Matrix was the first time I saw it. Right, like the whole we have to keep your mind alive with this struggle in order to harvest your heat to power <laughs> our bodies as machines. Right, like that was they, that they was changed such a cool that from twist. the original uh, script. Did you know that? Today, oh no! What's the original script? In the movie, that all the humans are used as batteries, but in the original script, they wanted to use all the humans' brains for computing power. Oh. Um, but they didn't think people understood networking and uh, and computing power that well, so they changed it to batteries. Yeah, the sequel to those movies just let you know that sometimes less is more. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like what they lacked in story, though, they definitely um, made up for in some pretty cool cinematography, right? Like, yeah, and that's why it's you never go style over substance, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Let's see. I had one other thing I wanted to say about that, but it's it's been lost to me. It has escaped you. So, uh, and then you said oh, John oh. Goodman. I remember oh, yeah. Go ahead. Before I forget it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Shoot. <laughs> it's gone again. <laughs> uh, oh, I remembered it. And so um, Ender's Game, uh, the Is first it? the first Ender's Game uh, book, it's, uh, it's an interesting story. And then all of the Ender's Game sequels 
Um, uh, they're also yeah. interesting stories, but they're much more philosophical. It's right. uh, and I feel like the Matrix is the same way. The first one, it's just like a great story, and then with two and three, they really just dive uh, deep into philosophy and try and make a movie out of uh, philosophy. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes those those stories that like end in a way that like just makes you think that doesn't really give you everything, but you're just kind of like, what happened is better than when the sequels come along and try to explain literally everything that's ever happened in the series or whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, they go in to talk about like freedom of will or, you know, is your, is your, are your choices, your choices, right. or destiny. Just chemical pathways of destiny and stuff like that. It's, they get really philosophical into that stuff instead of just, I don't know. I mean, that's, one way to do it. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, what were you going to say about John Goodman? Oh, it, it just reminded me of um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which is a, a dang good movie that I like yeah, a lot good. too. So, believe it or not, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou was one of mine. Really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really like that movie. It's you know, it's a modern day retelling of the Odyssey. Um, maybe that's why it's so good, right? Because that's yeah. an ancient story that resonates with us yep. still, apparently. And so I remember having, because I took a, a Greek and Roman lit class in college, and we had to watch that after we read the Odyssey and figure out who all the characters were and what they all mean. And so when you figure out how well they, they did that, it's actually really, really interesting. And the acting is good, and the story is good, and entertaining. Has good, good one-liners. Uh-huh. Um, when you, I feel like this is a really hard question, Nate. I don't know if I can just pick a favorite movie. I don't actually watch movies; they they're too long <laughs> for, <laughs> for my attention span. It's hard for me to watch a movie like I really, very rarely ever do. Uh, but if I was going to sit down, uh, the first one that came to mind when you said favorite to me meant um, what's something that you could rewatch a bunch of times and you'd still be happy that you were rewatching it, right? Yeah. And so, and so uh, for me, I think the the Born Identity, like the first one of that series, is like almost a perfect movie. Uh, just in terms of interesting plot, the bad guys are not just bad guys. Like you don't even know why they're bad guys. The bad guys are good guys. Maybe you're the bad guy. You don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, obviously it has a really, really great action and choreography and all that kind of stuff. I find that movie highly entertaining. I think it was pretty groundbreaking in a lot of ways. Um that was the first uh, movie that I saw um, coming back from living in the Philippines. Well, there you go. I remember it blew my mind. I thought it was so good. Nice. It is good. So I, I, I would say something like that. Um, well, with that criteria, I, I changed my answer to Dumb and Dumber. That movie I can watch like, <laughs> anytime, are, every well, time. And I think when you talk about movies, you might have to put a genre uh qualifier on it it's pretty hard to compare something like dumb and dumber to the born identity and try to choose one yeah sure. Sure. But <laughs> within the context of the discussion we've been having maybe that's yeah that's the context i mean i i always have also loved uh the lord of the rings movies i thought they were better than the books in every way and i'll fight anyone who wants to talk to me about that i like, mean i, I almost never have that right. opinion I never, right. I never have that opinion about like a, a piece of media compared to the book. Almost always, I think the the book is superior. Uh, but in in this case, I think that the the movies were just incredible distillations of what those books were, and actually made them exciting again. From there's so much downtime in those books. 
You reminded me of another uh, opinionated for another day. Good. Write it down. Least, I can hear as, the clicking as, clacking. As, it's as re being re written. As we just found out, your memory is only so good so long. So. <laughs> when it pops in my brain, I just you got to write it down right away or it's gone. Anyway, this has been a great uh, opinionated segment, Nate. Appreciate you coming on and sharing with us uh, some pretty thought-provoking opinions. There you go. And as always, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, Sounds thanks, good, Nate. Buddy. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys next time. Mm -hmm.